0: This is the 12.30 TWC Business Beat Radio with Jackie Groundsell on Love to Beat Radio. Hello,
1: hello, 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 hello and how is everybody today? It's Monday as you know, 2 till 4, you'll be with me um, for that time because I have two super guests for you today. But first of all, let me tell you what's going to be happening Um this week so uh, tomorrow we've got the 12.30 TWC East Dulwich meeting and that's with Dana Chapman I'll be there too and we've got some um, new people and some regular people who'll be meeting us there and if you have a look on the website you'll find all the details we're on www.1230.co.uk and under calendar you'll find all our events so you'll find All the radio shows, all the um, meetings and events that we've actually got up there that you all nice and easy for you to book. So, for our regular listeners, you know that we're about lunchtime networking for business women. But for those of you who've tuned in for the first time, I run 12:30 The Women's Company, and it's called 12:30 because guess what? It's at lunchtime. at twelve thirty. So it's one two three zero dot co dot UK. Every Monday I broadcast live here from the studio in Penge, South East London, on the station Love to Beat Radio, which is L O V E D A B E A T radio station, which is a twenty four hour internet station. So do tune in. So whoever you're listening to As far as any of the presenters are concerned, it's the same link for all of us. But of course, we have our own times. So I think it would be really useful to um, just go into another piece of music and then we'll come to our first guest. And I'm absolutely delighted that our guests today are Liz Jackson, MBE, and Sonia Brown, also MBE. So I am very honoured that they are both on the show. And I'm delighted to say that we have Liz on the line now with us. Liz, can you hear us okay?
2: Yeah, so um, my name's Liz Jackson. Um, I'm the sales and marketing director um, of a company called BCMS. Um, And I also am the founder of uh, a network for ambitious women entrepreneurs called Diamonds.
1: That's fantastic, I, I, because Diamonds is um, something... How long have you been doing that now? Because when we first met, which was like, oh, I don't know how long ago, lo- long, long time ago, you didn't have Diamonds then. So what, what prompted that, and where did the name come from? Obviously, we're all Diamonds, but... <laughs>
2: having coffee and cake <laughs> as you do with um, some other professional friends um, women that you know i've I've met over the years and we were just sharing stories of some of uh, the brilliant people that we'd met in our careers and more importantly talking about those women who had kind of been kind on purpose uh, to us in our careers and it made introductions and shared their contacts and uh, been encouraging Um, and we just sort of said do you know what, wouldn't it be amazing if we could bring them together um, and create a network where actually part of the criteria is that you've got to be kind, you know, that you want to be part of it because you feel a sense of purpose around helping women scale companies Um, And so, and when you think of all of the issues there around, you know, getting funding, um, recruiting people, winning clients, all that sort of stuff, we just said, wouldn't it be brilliant if we had a network that was focused on this scaling um, agenda so that we could hopefully create a network that has a really positive impact on our economy. Um, And so that, that was really the reason for starting it. Um, and it's yeah, it's it seems to have hit a nerve with quite a few people um, around, just wanting to be part of something where the foundations are about doing the right thing and you know going going out of your way to, um, to to help somebody else on their journey.
1: That's just amazing. It's not something that, as you just said, it's been going for about a year now, and unfortunately, well unfortunately i've never been able to make it but you very kindly invited me to join them to join you because you do place them around the country don't you where are you based liz so our
0: offices are just outside newbury mm-hmm.
2: um, so we've done uh, a couple of meetups in london one in birmingham we're at Bister village uh, next um so and we're hoping to do one in manchester shortly as well but We've done a few things virtually, and my goal would be to create spin-off kind of workshops and things that focus on, you know, different elements of scaling, um, to make that available as well. So we've got lots of partners that are really interested in helping too. So uh, yeah, hopefully it will it will grow into something really quite meaningful.
1: Yeah, it sounds sounds great. It sounds great. And diamonds, I know we're all diamonds, but. How did you conclude on that name? What made you decide on that?
2: So, diamonds, for me, are something that is just ordinary carbon, um, but it's what it's been exposed to um, and the conditions, uh, the, the pressure it's been under that has, you know, come together to create this very precious thing. Um and most of the people that I know that are in Diamonds haven't had an easy run of it. Um, you know, they've had to fight to get to where they are. Um, you know, there's been those conditions, and actually it's been very character-building. You know, uh, the pressure has created resilience. Um, it's often been, you know, the opportunities and the risks uh, that they've taken, um where there's been some failure but there's then been some success that's followed so that was one of the reasons the other reasons is um uh you know that actually um it's the flaws in diamonds that can make them the most valuable Uh, and none of us are are perfect and there is something about being really good at self-assessment and knowing your strengths and weaknesses you've got to dig for them uh you know and as you well know running a business it's it's not for the faint-hearted and it's also not for everyone um and so for all of those reasons i wanted to call it diamonds
1: (laughs) that's just amazing because you know I, i without wishing to to pass on any any of my ideas in terms of brainstorming and stuff i just visualized some people doing a bit of brainstorming and thinking yeah we're all diamonds we're actually diamond not diamond geezers but we're diamonds but i mean the thought that you've actually given into it and the reasons behind it are so sound um it's it's just amazing so i do hope um that you come again to london soon um or, or as you say you've got a virtual one um either of which obviously i can make because um, it's it sounds truly amazing so um yeah no it's great well you know how 1230 has started and uh, the support that obviously we give business women as well so um we're obviously yeah, all, all brilliant like absolutely brilliant we're like-minded in that respect so yeah. so yeah. what's been happening to you as i said earlier it's yonks since you and i met which is a long <laughs> long time and when you said to me about the children i thought children right okay <laughs> <laughs> So
2: yeah, so, yeah, shall I do a little a little whistle-stop tour? Um, yeah, do. So,
1: yeah, just, just so everyone knows. So I
2: started, uh, well, so I'll start from the beginning. Yes, Went please. To school. I, I, yeah, so I'm blind, uh, but wasn't born blind. Um, I grew up in Kent and then moved to Hampshire when I was 11. found school really, um, I have to say, uninteresting. So I was not the most committed uh, student Um, and when I left school, I left with, I got one GCSE in drama and didn't know what to do next. So I went to college, did retakes uh, and then um, there was this moment where my dad sort of said, look, uh, you need to find something and it's not going to be academia, so I think you need to go. our careers advisor and got a job as an office junior the lucky thing for me um, was that that was working for an entrepreneur who had previously and um, he gave me a shot and he was a person who identified the raw talent in me and he said that you, admin's not your thing after a few weeks right. <laughs> but he did say people is you know you are great with people and he'd heard me answer the phone and he'd heard me greet people at reception and you know um, and he just said you're brilliant uh, at that and I think you could be great at business development and so that's really where my career started and I spent eight years in that business and um, I was really, really good at, at, at selling. I built a team for them and then I went over to North America and did the same there and got to twenty five and we'd outsourced quite a lot of work to agencies and I was always just a tiny bit disappointed and always was left thinking, Oh goodness, you know, looking at how much we're spending with agencies and what we're getting for it. I really think I could deliver more value. And so this kind of seed formed in my mind about starting a business. Um, went to see the bank manager. Bank manager wasn't supportive, uh, but the Prince's Trust were. And so they loaned me 5000 to start a company, um, which I did in my flat. That business then grew at about 75% a year um, for about the first five years. Uh, It was voted the top female-run company in the UK uh, by the Sunday Express and T-Mobile. I was honoured by the Queen. Um, We employed about 100 people. Um, I franchised it, and at one point we had about 12 franchisees running um, agencies up and down the country. Um, And then the worst happened. So uh, 17 years into that journey... Most of our clients were banking and in the financial sector, we never fully recovered after um, uh, the Lehman's uh, failure and, and was sort of limping through. But also at the same time, I'd really lost my love of it. Um, and so I had the, the hardest thing I've ever done in my life, a gazillion times worse than going blind. I had to put the business into voluntary liquidation. Oh, gosh. Didn't leave people in the lurch, um, and so that you know that was really challenging. Um, I then consulted for six months and was in in quite a bad place. You mm. know, I really felt that um, you know, would anyone want me? You know, self esteem was completely and utterly obliterated. Um, I mean, the reason was was because everything else has happened to me. Blind. My son was very ill when he was born. Those sorts of things. They weren't my fault. But when you're a CEO of a business and it fails, it, it was my fault. And um, and so it was. A, it was a tough thing to overcome. One of the businesses I consulted for, um, and I did like consulting. And I did it. I did it for six to eight months. Um, and it was wonderful to be in different environments. One of the businesses I, I worked with was a business called BCMS. And uh, uh, it was a business that works with owners of companies to help them build businesses that are viable. So it focuses on, as you scale your company, what are the things that are actually going to make it attractive when you come to sell it? Mm. And then they actually sell business, you know, they sold businesses. And I, I just loved it. You know, working, seeing entrepreneurs that are you know, invested blood, sweat and years often into, you know, growing their businesses, but didn't always understand that perspiration wasn't always aspirational. No. Um, and then it suddenly felt really vocational, you know, to be doing that. And it felt like, you know, you were saving the world one, one business owner at a time and sort of lifting the veil on, on, um, on M&A, which is the term they use for my sector, um, and so I've been there since. Um, and last year, um, we as a team had the great privilege of buying our business. And so we became what's called an employee-owned own, company. And EOT was the transaction we did. And we uh, bought the majority of the company from the original founders. Um, and so back to being a business owner again now. But this time, uh, with 25 colleagues. financial year ever in 33 years last year so um, yeah it's been
1: quite a journey <laughs> wow honestly liz i had no idea all that was going on for you and thank you so much for sharing that with us because i can't imagine how painful that whole process um, of your other business must have been for you and uh, the impact it must have had on, on you, your family, and obviously close people to you. But congratulations in what you're doing now. It's absolutely brilliant, and you obviously are very happy with what you're doing, and are, are fulfilling yourself as well as the other people that you, you're working with. So, yeah, no, well done. Thank you, and I really, I really appreciate you sharing that with us because it you know it obviously was difficult in that sense. So um, now then. Sonia has actually come into the green room and she's waiting there so I'm just wondering
0: shall we let her in she's a bit early let's <laughs> let's let, for it. let's go for it 1230 TWC Business Beat Radio. Mondays 2 till 4 pm UK time. Tips, inspiration, fun, tunes for and from businesswomen. On all the socials www.1230.co.uk at Love to Beat Radio. Sonia, how about saying hi and introducing
1: yourself, please?
3: as business owners so again so i'm a, a coach an author um a commentator all the things a businesswoman, and all the things you have to be in order to survive in today's world
1: thank you for that and i know that you said a moment ago that you didn't actually hear what liz was saying and liz could i impose on you to give us a crash rundown on what you actually told us all earlier um so that sonia is actually in the picture as well because i think from what she is saying and the things that you're involved with as well um it would be actually really useful for for her to for her to know uh, about you thank you
2: which means that ultimately we work with owners of businesses to help them build companies that are viable. So build businesses in a way that makes them really attractive when someone decides they're at that stage where they'd like to exit and move on to their next adventure. Um, And before joining BCMS, I ran my own um, agency for 17 years. Um, So, yeah, that's... That's what I do now. Uh, we're an employee-owned business, so I'm one of 26 shareholders that, um, that own the company.
1: Thank you for that. And so, um, Sonia, you were saying you've got been well this week, and one of the things you wanted to talk about was insurance for business. Is that right? Yeah,
3: it's interesting because I was obviously doing all my research and everything. I was thinking about, you know, when women, especially small businesses, who are looking to... Um, and survive have you thought about the insurances that you need in terms of what if you're ill secondly what happens if you pass away before your business is in that stage that you can link the right legacy because there's been so many deaths around me i mean every phone call has been so oh, sonia such and such has passed away and you're like oh, i don't want another call i don't want another call but how do you leave your legacy you know and I think, Liz, that would be great for you when we look at how you get companies to, um, s- start to to get to the next stage and become profitable or, you know, attractive to, to be bought out. How do we look at the the soft things, the softer things, which is not really communication and unconscious bias or none of that of stuff? So how do we make the business attractive other than the financial side, which is obvious?
2: Yeah. Do you, want, do you want me to yes, share please. a little bit about that? Yeah, so I think, you know, there's several things that makes, makes a business really attractive. And ultimately, it's businesses that have very little risk in them. You know, the less risk you have in a business, the more saleable it is. And so when you're looking at risk, it's things like, is all your revenue, your turnover, heavily dependent on one client. So, you know, it's more than 50 or 60%, and that would be very high concentration with one business. What happens to your company if that client is lost? Um, so, that, so a buyer would see that as risky. And so what they love is businesses that have their revenues split, you know, across multiple accounts. And then what they love is businesses who can forecast their future. You know, businesses that can only see, you know, sort of three months ahead. Again, high risk, you know, project to project. Whereas businesses that have an element of recurring revenue, so you know what next year looks like because everyone's on a recurring revenue, which is why you see software as a service businesses achieving such high valuations, um, when you come to sell them because they're so forecastable the revenue so sticky and then people people are you know we all know that our businesses are people focused and a good strong management team where all the decisions don't come through you where all the relationships with clients aren't with you um you know that that's really important to have a business that can run effectively without you and one of the things that i talk about quite a lot is you know never refer to your business as your baby and you hear people say oh it's my baby you know it's got my dna through it uh, you know i'm it's like my third child you know and what i would say is actually it's it's not and shouldn't be it is a you know it's probably the most valuable asset you ever build um, and so being able to look at your business um through the eyes of a buyer uh, and in a really strategic way, um, you know, takes the emotion out of it and it makes you build that business in a resilient way. And and by the way, sellable businesses, businesses that are built for sale are also built for sustainability. Um, so all the things we talk about in terms of what makes a business, uh, you know, achieve high multiples when you come to sell it are all the same things that make it long lasting sustainable you know a business that can endure through the tough times because the risk levels are low um uh, yeah so i mean there are probably 16 or 17 things i could talk about um but you know
3: hopefully that gives you a bit of a flavor
1: well perhaps we'll come back to some of those in a second what do you think about that sonia well it's interesting because i was thinking
3: when i was um doing um preparing for this interview and i was thinking about you know the the changing trends of doing business Um, and a lot of the times we still use traditional models in order to start and grow our businesses but the world of business is changing and we have to look at the social impact of it so what makes as you know I liked what she said about what makes a business sellable and taking that emotion out of the business if you want it to be to last long term because a lot of the as I deal with are small to medium-sized businesses, and the threat of you know things like the cost of living, the health, the pension, attracting talent to their businesses. Do we stay um, the working from home situation? You know how does that impact my business if I've, I've got an office block but nobody's in there? So, um, and how does that impact my business in the long
0: term if I've not even thought about these conditions? Yeah. In my projection,
3: you know, yeah. so there's a lot of factors being thrown in, and then you've got to, the, you know, I'm always talking about AI, driverless cars. I mean, even this ULES in London, I know it's, we shouldn't be London focused because it's, you know, it's the UK. The impact that will have on businesses, you know, nobody's really talking about what impact it will have in terms of drivers. Many of them are self employed, they're not going to want to drive in if they've got to pay all that money.
0: This is the 12.30 TWC Business Beat Radio with Jackie Groundsell on Love to Beat Radio.
1: And welcome back into the studio. Jackie Groundsell here on a weekly basis, Mondays 2 till 4. I have now got my two wonderful guests here. So Liz and Sonia, what I'd like to do um, both with you in a moment is for you to actually let people know how they can get in touch with you. So Liz, if you'd like to go first, how do people get in touch with you, please?
2: Probably best, actually, on LinkedIn. Um, So, uh, yeah, just reach out to me uh, on LinkedIn. Uh, It's Liz. Jackson,
1: um, at BCMS, you just do a search, I generally come up at at the top. Yeah, yeah. So um, Sonia touched on uh, remote working and stuff. What what about your colleagues? How do you all work? Do you work from home or do you have an office space?
2: We we operate a hybrid environment, um, so we absolutely love being together. Mm. So I guess we're probably... Most of us go into the office probably three days a week, Um, but we've got that freedom. Uh, You know, I was at um, a meeting last night in um, uh, just north of Birmingham and I didn't get back till midnight. And so, you know, I made the choice I was going to work from home today and we've all got that freedom, uh, which is, yeah, which is really great. But we also love being together and it is that collaborative you know time it's those conversations isn't it around yes. the coffee machine where you know you just catch up so much and sometimes innovate new ideas um in the spur of the moment so uh, yeah i love the hybrid um way of working now
1: yeah i think hybrid is a great way to work and what concerns me i think is people who are just working planning to work remotely all the time um oh. and, and you know Pre-COVID, we'd hear about the youngsters who were stuck in their bedrooms on their own playing games and no social skills and things. So, you know, that side of things, uh, that aspect of it concerns me a bit. So we whip over quickly now to Sonia Brown. Sonia, how do people get in touch with you, please?
3: Oh, very simply. Just sign up on our website on www.nbwn.org.
1: And what does that stand for, Sonia?
3: National Black Women's Network. So that's where they
1: can find us. Excellent. And you've got initials on your company name, haven't you, Liz? What what do they stand for?
2: Well, they don't really stand for anything, actually. Um, It used to, many years ago, stand for business consultancy and marketing services. But it's not what we do. Um, the original shareholders were called Brian, Mark, Steve and Dave. And so we often joke that Dave should have been Charlie and then we would have had BCMS. But yeah, it, it, it was just one of those things, you know, and uh, it, doesn't really, uh, yeah, it doesn't really describe what we do that's the initials
1: <laughs> <laughs> well that's, that's a story isn't it you know it's a conversation stopper in that well, sense it's
2: annoying though because it's also the british cattle market society
1: oh no. <laughs> who, we quite often get
2: calls from farmers wanting to know what to do with a sick cow so um oh. yeah, there are challenges around it <laughs> <laughs>
1: Well, challenges, but stories as well, I guess. So um, Uh, if you'd like to recap uh, for our listeners, people who perhaps just tuned in after our advert break, um, Liz, on what actually does your business do and what part do you play in it?
2: So I am sales and marketing director. So I look after um, most of our networks, our partnerships, um, and I'm usually the first person that people talk to when they pick up the phone to want to have that conversation that usually goes like I'd like to sell my business one day and I'd like to understand um how I get maximum value when I come to do that and so that's what we do we help owners build businesses that are going to be achieve aspirational value and um, so that all of their blood sweat and tears that they go in so scaling it pays off um at the
3: end
1: <laughs> brilliant Brilliant. So, um, Sonia, are you in that stage yet?
3: Well, I've had to re- uh, um, rethink about how I run the network, which is why we're basically doing a relaunch. Um, because I think prior to that, I was just on fifth gear, fifth gear all the time in the business. And then once the health scare came in, and it's exactly what Liz said, if you're dependent on a few main c- clients the impact it has on your business and your profitability, and it was like, oh, okay, I cannot deliver because I cannot walk, so one of the things, um, Liz, I developed something called guillain Barr syndrome, so it started, I was a bit depressed at first, I just thought, well, you know, I'm just anxious, I'm stressed, blah, 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 but um, eventually, my brain stopped, came disconnected to my legs, and I woke up. I was saying, you know, this has taken over three years for me to even just be able to get down the stairs and etc. and the impact it's had on the business if you're the driving force. So oh. you're absolutely correct when you say, who are the team behind you, the management team? So I had to relook really look at everything that the, the network does. And it's not a bad thing because I think this is an exciting time for business, for women in business, if they... Um, take their heads out, I mean look, we've got stuff around mental health issues, that's a big thing, menopause big thing, um, cost of living, big thing um, working from home, big thing all the challenges that, that impacts your business however, when we look at the excitement around the future potential around STEM around AI, around um, Bitcom a bit dodgy at the moment, but Bitcom uh, Things around 3D printing, how do women actually start getting themselves into that supply chain to be part of that growth? Because it's an exciting time. Because just even by being in hospital, you know, I was hospitalized three times, ended up in a critical care home, and the technology, I was just like, wow, I was blown away by the technology. But then I was thinking, what about things like, you know, the uniforms? and the, the the catering services, all the stuff that supports the big things, you know? So it's not always the big things you should look at. How do I get into that supply chain so that I'm supporting my local hospital or I'm suppo- supporting my local authority because you know they have big budgets. But are we part of that regeneration? On especially, and the big thing is about the high street because um, it was very strange. I had to do an event. I was, I walked into doing an event, and um, I realised it was the first time I'd left my area in four years. And and obviously the thing was, Sonia um, would provide transport and everything, and we'll have somebody there with you, so that bring someone with you in case anything happens. I I was driving, and I I didn't even recognise my high street, because I don't go beyond the hospital or the GP. And I was... Amazed at the growth, like the regeneration. But I was thinking, but you're taking the spirit out of the high street because you know the things around cycle lanes, the the flower. I always just call them the flower pots. You know the ones you
1: wake up one day and there's two flower boxes down the bottom of your road you can't get out. Oh uh, yeah, um, yeah. And, you know
3: the access, and you don't even realize it's the social things about that because. When you read about why people are upset, the um, ambulances can't get there, the taxis can't pick up people, um, their family cannot come to them. Same with Uless and etc. So it's, again, what is the high street going to look like and how is your business going to fit in to that? Because are you going to be a brick-and-mortar business or are you going to be strictly e-commerce? And that is part of your projection for now to the next, as you say, 10 years.
1: So, so Liz, how how the businesses that you're working with, the topics that Sonia's just um, touched on, are they highlighted within the businesses that you're working with? Which which points are appropriate for them to to have to deal with?
2: Yeah, so I think the resilience around retail um, is you know lots of businesses are business to consumer have you know, have, have had a challenging time. You know, they had a great time through the pandemic, the ones that were able to pivot and move online. Mm. And we saw massive growth. You know, people who sell, you know, aquatics online or home furnishings online. You know, it's one thing we all did um, was to try and make our environment nicer when we were at home. And so, you know, we saw huge growth uh, in, in online sales. And then we had the issues with um you know bringing product in from China and you saw the cost of freight you know go from you know two thousand five hundred pounds for a container up to in some cases over eighteen thousand pounds and oh, then goodness. you know businesses having to deal with uh with that um and then on top of that the other inflation issues around salaries, getting talent um and all of those areas. Um and so the businesses that have done well have, have tended to be the businesses that are more niche, you know, that have specialised in an area, that have, have really invested in their sales and marketing through that difficult period, and they've managed to retain their customers. So they've built customer loyalty, and they've built staff loyalty. Um, and those businesses have have done really well. I mean, hospitality is still going through a challenging time, and we Mm. certainly see that, you know, where, uh, you know, cost of energy and those sorts of things. So what what we're looking at is other businesses that have done incredibly, incredibly well. um, And where you're seeing a lot of consolidation in, you know, in M&A is where there's areas of business, and it usually tends to be the critical services, things you can't do without. So we see businesses that are in things like, um, you know, water treatment, for example. You know, if you run a hotel or a hospital or a college, you have to make sure you haven't got Legionella in your, you know, in your drinking water, and that's a critical, you know, that's a critical service. Um, and people can't make um, a decision not to do that. You know, they can't make a decision not to have security around their buildings. Um, they can't make a decision to you know, not have public indemnity insurance or, you know, the things that that keep us, you know, that keep us safe uh, Mm. when we're running our companies, those are critical and you can't do without them. And if you can build a business around something that's resilient through, you know, the ups and the downs, um, because people can't do without it, then, you know, you really do see, um, you know, you do see great outcomes. But I think there is a message to the high street, which is, Actually, we want our shopping now to be experiential. Mm. Mm -hmm. And, you know, and I mean, certainly where our local town is Basingstoke, and there are loads of empty, you know, loads of empty retail outlets. And I think, you know, you will start to see people living in town centres and wanting more experiential things. You know, there's been a load more escape rooms and trampoline parks and, you know, Different things coming, you know, coming up that um, you know are right in the heart of the shopping centres, and I wouldn't be surprised if we don't see healthcare there and all sorts of other things like that. So um, I think it's a time to reimagine what the high street might look like in the future.
1: Yeah, I think. That's y-
3: Sorry.
2: No, no, I, I, go on.
1: Sorry. Come. Sorry.
3: Because one of the things that I, am you know, with, with my I have, obviously I have to have a carer. And one of, the things, um, one of the biggest challenges is public transport. And I, I say to somebody, I never knew how high that step was to get on to the, onto the bus, let alone get down from the bus. But also the roads, you know, the, the potholes, the way the bus swings you about. And I'm just thinking, what about people with wheelchairs? You know, do they really... And I've seen so many people with walking sticks now. I've never noticed it before. And I'm thinking, well, how do they really get to um, be part of that community, that high street, if it's so difficult for them to even to get to the high street?
1: I think you're right, Liz, in terms of, um, I think, we were all agreed that that life is changing hugely and um, we don't even touch on that word normal now because there never was a normal. But, <laughs> but Yeah, but there never was, was there? And, and I think um, the fact that we have empty um, buildings, we have empty units that have got to be used and I think people are using their imaginations much more now. Um, certainly... Uh, I, th- I think it was you Liz that touched on the fact that um, with COVID people had to rethink their businesses and where they would never have contemplated taking a business online they did and they've, uh. they've, they've got to be imaginative and to be able to use their imagination and make and I can see what you're saying about the fact I mean I'm going up in the, the train into, into London there are areas where it's like flat city, and, and of course yeah. there is a huge demand on, on housing and accommodation, and there's no land, so it has to go up, um, yeah. except, as you say, in the town centre, this is a, something that's got to be investigated and, and looked at much more closely. Well, yeah. I wanted
3: to interject when you talk about empty spaces um, on the high street, etc., I always think there's a more creative way that they can use those spaces. So why not give, you know, startups, you know, favourable um, rates and etc. Why don't we look at different businesses, you know, who want to start up, and let's go back to some of the traditional businesses. So let's get some of the designers there. Why haven't we got designers working on the high street? Um, there's no shame in it, and it, it inspires the next generation to see not just the fruit and vegetables or uh, telephone shops or what's the other one there we see fruit and veg, um, telephone shops and the pound shop. Um, We need to see, and we don't want to have them and us, the social divide, because there is such a social divide in terms of how we shop. So yes, we could have the Costa um, coffee shop. Yeah, that looks great on the high street. But then down the road, we've probably got the Afghanistan coffee shop which is probably more affordable for people, do you know what I mean? But how do we become more creative in using that space? And I think that a lot of our so-called heads of regeneration lack that imagination because they don't live in the area and so they don't understand the needs or the changing needs of the community. Yeah. And one of the things that I'm more interested in is how do women get a foot in to start these businesses, even if it's from home, and how do they come together and work together to do more businesses, even if it's a cake shop, making curtains, making sarees. you know, what do we do to inspire that type of business?
1: Any thoughts on that, Liz?
2: Um, well, I, you know, I think there is also something where, um, you know, we need to encourage women not only to start businesses, but to scale them as well. Yeah. And... Um, I think there's a need to um help people that haven't had access um you know who are entrepreneurs but haven't had access to understanding what actually that means you know how do you how do you do that so they have a great idea but how do they get access to funding mm. um how do they you know how do they understand the financial elements of how a business operates and runs? Um, you know all of all of those sorts of things. So you see people start up businesses; they do really, really well, and they can get them to say a million turnover. And some of those businesses have the potential to, you know, to to do really well and scale way beyond that. But the owner of the company, you know, might not have all the skill sets right at their fingertips right then. And so I think there is this is why we have networks like Diamonds because it's about helping those ambitious people who you you know really want to have a big impact on our economy so how do we get around you you know how how do we introduce you to people that can help how can we help you get access to funding how how can we help you understand you know ip and how you protect
3: your brilliant
2: invention you know it's all that sort of stuff
3: yeah
2: but um that if you're not a trained, and I wasn't, you know, I didn't go to Cranfield and do the MBA. Um, I, I learned it the hard way. Um, and, you know, at points I was really lucky because I, I met some people who were kind and who took the time to, you know, get involved. But actually, quite a lot of the time, unless you have got that great network, there are lots of people out there who will, you know, charge you a lot of money. And actually, if they don't understand... How to scale a business um, in a really, you know, in a really great way? Then, then, then actually, you could just be spending money on consultants without actually moving the dial very
1: much. Yeah. Um, and do do you find with um, the people who are coming to you, Liz, that there's any particular picture or any particular consistency in the types of business, or are they very random in the type of businesses that you work with? No, there.
2: I mean, we're just just days away from completing a deal with a a company that is a water treatment company so that's why it came to my mind it seemed to me Um, that you knew
1: exactly spot on what was going on there
2: (laughs) we've got another business that provides clothing to construction you know safety clothing and things in in the construction industry we just sold a brilliant woman-led company called Mm. Makara which is a, a medical communications agency so they you know work and uh, communications and marketing and events and things like that. M- amazing business, an incredible business owner. Um, we sold Kettlewell Colours just last year, which was a woman cl- online clothing brand. Um, where you, yeah, so she did really well, sold to um, a private equity buyer. So, you know, they're, they're in a, a whole range of... Um, mm. um. Probably our biggest deal last year was a deal for eighty-five million, where we sold a business called Geotech to a listed business called Judges, and that was scientific instrumentation. So you know, I love it because we get to an insight into so many different sectors and so many different people that run those companies. Um,
3: um, it's interesting Liz, because I keep thinking, you know, when I'm listening to my business women talk is having that excitement again um Mm. about their business i think that's important but again as you listed before if you haven't got the networks if you haven't got the you know because i'm looking at how do we decrease the barriers that um stop businesses thriving let alone scaling up and so when you Mm -hmm. say scaling up to a lot of women it puts the fear of god in them because they're like oh you know i'm okay as i am i'm okay as i am but the actual fact is we have to get women comfortable doing business rather than, you know, when I used to say, oh, you know Jackie, I hate this word, but oh, it was a lifestyle business, it's a
0: lifestyle
3: business. <laughs> and um, and um, but what we have to do is get, as you said, make them the businesses more resilient, more robust and more profitable. And I think, as you say, you learn as you go along. And once you meet the right people, because remember, there are some scoundrels out there. And if you haven't got that knowledge, then you will find your role a bit more difficult in order to succeed. But I think the changing landscape of business makes it more exciting and that's why I was saying about AI and technology and thinking about how well, how can AI how can I get into AI with my business? That's the way the future's going. You know. If we look at um, cashless, you know, most of the we know we're going to be a cashless community soon or society soon. How do we get our business to fit in? And, like, as you said about the company who provided clothing for the construction companies, well, what about why aren't we providing clothing for the hospitals? Why are we not part of that supply chain? And so it's things like that where we have to be more imaginative about, you know, what do we, um, how do we become more resilient in this time, as you say? And um, basically, not being scared of taking our business to the next level.
2: Yeah, and I think the other thing there is, you know, I think there can be a bit of a X factor uh, feel about the way some people think about entrepreneurship. And they, you know, they start out, they start a business, and they think this is going to be a get what you know get rich quick uh, scheme. I call it the I will make you
3: a millionaire in thirty days.
2: Just
3: follow uh, my Instagram page. Yeah. I'm an influencer. Yeah, I know. And the reality, you know, the
2: reality of it is that you know a lot of us have to work really, really, really hard. At, you know, at putting a lot of our time and energy, and not just the time we spend in our businesses, but you know, carving out the time to. spend work on our companies, you know, I belong to a peer-to-peer network, I can hear you do, you know, so I go to a place once a month where I'm you know, with with people that are a step ahead of me um, yeah. I probably read four books a month um, you know, and, and listen to YouTube and I've you know, following people, reading books like Traction and Oversubscribed and you know, just just really trying to stay on the money you know, we use Chat G. in our business now and it is it is making a big difference and there are you know a gazillion AI tools out there but you know they're not all correct and so it's assessing it understanding how can I use it Uh, I used it to create an invitation to an event the other day and it it created a brilliant invitation in three Mm -hmm. seconds I was then able to edit you know Mm -hmm. and so it can make us more efficient but it's you have to carve out the time uh, to be strategic um, and to make sure that you're di- – I, I run an advanced diary management system, so you can look at my diary and all my high-value activities are in red. And if I look at my diary, I, I get my PA to do this, obviously, because I'm blind, but she'll look at it and she'll say, you're only spending a third of your week this week doing high-value activities, and that then is a challenge because – well, that's rubbish because, you know, the rest of it isn't going to move the dial. Some of it's necessary, but it means I then need to go through and thin my diary and prioritize my time and what I'm, you know, what I'm spending my time doing. Um, and so, I, you know, it is not for the faint hearted, is it? This, this lie about you know <laughs> being self-employed and, being, and is very different from running a company. and and running a company isn't for everybody and you need to be brave and courageous um, and determined and resilient um, and strategic.
1: Yeah, Um, Yeah, no, absolutely. And I think um, in my email um, newsletter that I sent out this morning, I touched on when I first started business, I went to a three-day startup course, which was run by NatWest RBS, and I'll always remember one of the client, one of the consultants there saying, OK, if you want your business to be Monday to Friday, nine till five, leave now because it's not going to happen. And actually one lady did leave. Um, but, you know, I mean, I think there's so much truth in everything that you, you're you both saying um liz and sonia on this topic and i think it's really interesting what you're saying about ai i must admit i've not touched on it yet um i need to go in and uh, delve a bit further on that information and uh, see see what magic i can conjure out of it for our 12 30 i
0: know well yeah i mean i'm getting that message all the time 12:30 TWC Business Beat Radio Mondays two till four PM UK time. Tips, inspiration, fun tunes for and from business women on all the socials www.1230.co.uk at Love to Beat Radio. And welcome back into the studio, Jackie
1: Groundsell here on a weekly basis Mondays two till four. I have now got my two wonderful guests here on the phone. Liz, if you'd like to go first, how do people get in touch with you, please?
2: Probably best, actually, on LinkedIn. Um, So, uh, yeah, just reach out to me uh, on LinkedIn. Uh, It's Liz Jackson um, at BCMS just do a search I generally come up at, at the
1: top <laughs> yeah yeah so um Sonia touched on uh, remote working and stuff what what about your colleagues how do you all work do you work from home or do you have an office space
2: we we operate a hybrid environment um so we absolutely love being together
0: mm. so
2: I guess we're probably most of us going to the office probably three days a week um But we've got that freedom, Uh, you know, I was at um, a meeting last night in um, uh, just north of Birmingham and I didn't get back till midnight and so, you know, I made the choice, I was going to work from home today and we've all got that freedom, uh, which is, yeah, which is really great but we also love being together and it is that collaborative, you know, time, it's those conversations, isn't it, around the coffee machine where... You know, you just catch up so much and sometimes innovate new ideas um, in the spur of the moment. So, uh, yeah, I love the hybrid um, way of working now.
1: Yeah, I think hybrid is a great way to work. And what concerns me, I think, is people who are just working, planning to work remotely all the time. Um, And, you know, pre-COVID, we'd hear about the youngsters who were stuck in their bedrooms on their own playing games and no social skills and things so you know that side of things uh that aspect of it concerns me a bit so we whip over quickly now to sonia brown sonia how do people get in touch with you please
3: oh very simply just sign up on our website on www.nbwn.org
1: and what does that stand for sonia
3: national black women's network so that's where they can
1: find us. Excellent. And you, you've got initials on your company name, haven't you, Liz? What, what do they stand for?
2: Well, they don't really stand for anything, actually. Um, it used to, many years ago, stand for Business Consultancy and Marketing Services. But it's not what we do. Um, the original shareholders were called Brian, Mark, Steve and Dave, and so we often joke that Dave should have been Charlie, and then we would have had BCMS. But yeah, it it, it was just one of those things, you know. And uh, it doesn't really, uh, yeah, it doesn't really describe what we do. that's the initials
1: (laughs) (laughs) well that's that's a story isn't it you know it's a conversation stopper in that sense it's
2: annoying though because it's also the british
1: cattle market society we quite often get
2: calls from farmers wanting to know what to do with a sick cow so um Um.
1: yeah
2: there are challenges around it
1: Well challenges but stories as well I guess so um, Uh, if you'd like to recap uh, for our listeners people who perhaps just tuned in after our advert break um, Liz on what actually does your business do and what part do you play in it?
2: So I am sales and marketing director so I look after um, most of our networks our partnerships um, and I'm usually the first person that people talk to when they pick up the phone to want to have that conversation that usually goes like i'd like to sell my business one day and i'd like to understand um how i get maximum value when i come to do that and so that's what we do we help owners build businesses that are going to be achieve aspirational value and um, so that all of their blood sweat and tears that they go in so scaling it pays off um
3: at the end
1: <laughs> brilliant Brilliant. So, um, Sonia, are you in that stage yet?
3: Well, I've had to re- uh, um, rethink about how I run the network, which is why we're basically doing a relaunch. Um, because I think prior to that, I was just on fifth gear, fifth gear, all the time in the business. And then once the health scare came in, and it's exactly what Liz said, if you're dependent on a few main c- clients the impact it has on your business and your profitability, and it was like, oh, okay, I cannot deliver because I cannot walk, so one of the things, um, Liz, I developed something called Guillain-Barre syndrome, wow. so it started, I was a bit depressed at first, I just thought, well, you know, I'm just anxious, I'm stressed, blah, 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 but um, eventually, my brain stopped, came disconnected to my legs, and I woke up. I was saying, you know, this has taken over three years for me to even just be able to get down the stairs and et cetera, and the impact it's had on the business if you're the driving force. So um. you're absolutely correct when you say, who are the team behind you, the management team? So I had to re look at everything that the, the network does. And it's not a bad thing because I think this is an exciting time for business, for women in business, if they... Um, Take their heads out. I mean, look, we've got stuff around mental health issues. That's a big thing. Menopause, big thing. Um, Cost of living, big thing. Um, Working from home, big thing. All the challenges that that impacts your business. However, when we look at the excitement around the future potential, around STEM, around AI, around um, BitCom, a bit dodgy at the moment, but BitCom... Things around 3D printing, how do women actually start getting themselves into that supply chain to be part of that growth? Because it's an exciting time. Because just even by being in hospital, you know, I was hospitalized three times, ended up in a critical care home, and the technology, and I was just like, wow, I was blown away by the technology. But then I was thinking, well, what about things like, you know, the uniforms? Um, and the, the, the catering services, all the stuff that supports the big things, you know. So it's not always the big things you should look at. How do I get into that supply chain so that I'm supporting my local hospital or I'm support, supporting my local authority? Because, you know, they have big budgets. But are we part of that regeneration? On especially, And the big thing is about the high street because um, it was very strange. I had to do an event talked into doing an event, and um, I realised it was the first time I'd left my area in four years. And, dri- and obviously the thing was, Sonia um, will provide transport and everything, and would we'll have somebody there with you, so that bring someone with you in case anything happens. I, just, I was driving, and I, I didn't even recognise my high street, because I don't go beyond the hospital or the GP. And I was... Still Amazed at the growth, like the regeneration. But I was thinking, but you're taking the spirit out of the high street because you know, the things around cycle lanes, the, the flower, I always just call them the flower pots. You know, the ones
1: you wake up one day and there's two flower boxes down the bottom of your road you can't get out. Oh, uh, yeah, uh, yeah, and, you know, the access, and you
3: don't even realize it's the social things about that because. When you read about why people are upset, the hot, um, ambulances can't get there, the taxis can't pick up people, um, their family cannot come to them, same with you, and etc. So it's, again, what is the high street going to look like and how is your business going to fit in to that? Because are you going to be a brick and mortar business or are you going to be strictly e-commerce? And that is part of your projection of now to the next, as you say, 10 years.
1: So, so, Liz, how how the businesses that you're working with, the topics that Sonia's just um, touched on, are they highlighted within the businesses that you're working with? Which which points are appropriate for them to, to have to deal with?
2: Yeah, so I think the resilience around retail um, is, you know, lots of businesses, are business to consumer, have you know have have had a challenging time you know they had a great time through the pandemic the ones that were able to pivot and move online Mm. and we saw massive growth you know people who sell you know aquatics online or home furnishings online you know it's one thing we all did um was to try and make our environment nicer when we were at home and so you know we saw huge growth in in online sales um and then we had the issues with um you know bringing products in from China and you saw the cost of freight, you know, go from you know two thousand five hundred pounds for a container up to in some cases over eighteen thousand pounds. And oh, then goodness. you know businesses having to deal with uh with that. Um and then on top of that the other inflation issues around salaries, getting talent, um and all of those areas. Um and so the businesses that have done well have, have tended to be the businesses that are more niche, you know, that have specialised in an area, that have, have really invested in their sales and marketing through that difficult period, and they've managed to retain their customers. So they've built customer loyalty, and they've built staff loyalty. Um, and those businesses have have done really well I mean hospitality is still going through a challenging time and we Mm. certainly see that you know where uh, you know cost of energy and those sorts of things so what what we're looking at is other businesses that have done incredibly incredibly well um, and where you're seeing a lot of consolidation in you know in M&A is where there's areas of business and it usually tends to be the critical services things you can't do without so we see businesses that are in things like um, you know water treatment for example you know if you run a hotel or a hospital or a college you have to make sure you haven't got Legionella in your you know in your drinking water and that's a critical you know that's a critical service um, and people can't make um, a decision not to do that you know they can't make a decision not to have security around their buildings um, they can't make a decision to you know, not have public indemnity insurance or, you know, th- the things that mean that keep us, you know, that keep us safe uh, mm. when we're running our companies, those are critical and you can't do without them. And if you can build a business around something that's resilient through, you know, the ups and the downs um, because people can't do without it, then, you know, you really do see, um, you know, you do see great outcomes. But I think there is a message to the high street, which is, Actually, we want our shopping now to be experiential. Mm. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, and uh, I mean, certainly where our local town is Basingstoke, and there are loads of empty, you know, loads of empty retail outlets. And I think, you know, you will we'll start to see people living in town centres and wanting more experiential things. You know, there's been a load more escape rooms and trampoline parks and, you know, Different things coming, you know, coming up that um, you know are right in the heart of the shopping centres, and I wouldn't be surprised if we don't see healthcare there and all sorts of other things like that. So um, I think it's a time to reimagine what the high street might look like in the future. Yeah, I think. That's y- interesting. Sorry. I I,
1: go on. Sorry. Come. Sorry.
3: said Because one of the things that I, am you know, with, with my, I have, obviously I have to have a carer. And one of the things, um, one of the biggest challenges is public transport. And I've said to somebody, I never knew how high that step was to get on to the, onto the bus, let alone get down from the bus. But also the roads, you know, the, the potholes, the way the bus swings you about. And I'm just thinking, what about people with wheelchairs? You know, do they really? And I've seen so many people with walking sticks now. I've never noticed it before. And I'm thinking, well, how do they really get to um, be part of that community, that high street, if it's so difficult for them to even to get to the high street?
1: I think you're right, Liz, in terms of, um, I think, we were all agreed that that life is changing hugely, and um, we don't even touch on that word "normal" now because there never was a normal. But <laughs> yeah, but there never was, was there? And uh, and I think um, the fact that we have empty um, buildings, we have empty units that have got to be used, and I think people are using their imaginations much more now. Um, certainly. Uh, I, th- I think it was you Liz that touched on the fact that um, with COVID people had to rethink their businesses and where they would never have contemplated taking a business online they did and they've, uh. they've, they've got to be imaginative and to be able to use their imagination and make and I can see what you're saying about the fact I mean I'm going up in the, the train into London there are areas where it's like flat city. And, and of course, uh. there is a huge demand on, on housing and accommodation. And there's no land, so it has to go up. Um, uh. Except, as you say, in the town centre, this is a, something that's got to be investigated and, and looked at much more closely. Well, uh. I
3: wanted to interject when we talk about empty spaces um, on the high street, etc., I always think there's a more creative way that they can use those spaces. So why not give, you know, startups, you know, favorable um, rates and etc. Why don't we look at different businesses, you know, who want to start up? And let's go back to some of the traditional businesses. So let's get some of the designers there. Why haven't we got designers working on the high street? Um, there's no shame in it. And it, it inspires the next generation to see not just the fruit and vegetables or uh, telephone shops or what's the other one there we see fruit and veg um telephone shops and the pound shop um we need to see and we don't want to have the them and us the social divide because there is such a social divide in terms of how we shop so yes we could have the costa um coffee shop yeah that looks great on the high street but then down the road we've probably got the afghanistan coffee shop which is probably more affordable for people, do you get what I mean? But how do we become more creative in using that space? And I think that a lot of our so-called heads of regeneration lack that imagination because they don't live in the area, and so they don't understand the needs or the changing needs of the community. And one of the things that I'm more interested in is how do women get a footing to start these businesses, even if it's from home, and how do they... Come together and work together to do more businesses. Even if it's a cake shop, making curtains, making sarees. You know, what do we do to inspire that type of business?
1: Any thoughts on that, Liz?
2: Um. Well, I, I you know I think there is also something where, um, you know, we need to encourage women not only to start businesses but to scale them as well. Yeah. And And. Um, I think there's a need to um, help people that haven't had access um, you know who are entrepreneurs but haven't had access to understanding what actually that means you know how do you how do you do that? So they have a great idea but how do they get access to funding mm. um, how do they you know how do they understand the financial elements of how a business operates and runs? Um, you know all of all of those sorts of things so you see people start up businesses they do really really well and they can get them to say a million turnover and some of those businesses have the potential to you know to, to do really well and scale way beyond that but the owner of the company you know might not have all the skill sets right at their fingertips right then and so I think there is this is why we have networks like Diamonds because it's about helping those ambitious people who you you know really want to have a big impact on our economy so how do we get around you you know how how do we introduce you to people that can help how can we help you get access to funding how how can we help you understand you know ip and how you protect your brilliant invention you know it's all that sort of stuff yeah um that if you're not a trained, and I wasn't, you know, I didn't go to Cranfield and do the MBA. Um, I I learned it the hard way. Um, And, you know, at points I was really lucky because I I met some people who were kind (laughs) and who took the time to, you know, get involved. But actually, quite a lot of the time, unless you have got that great network, there are lots of people out there who will, you know, charge you a lot of money. And actually, if they don't understand... How to scale a business, um, in a really, you know, in a really great way. Then, then, then actually, you could just be spending money on consultants without actually moving the dial very much.
1: Yeah. Um, and do do you find with um the people who are coming to you, Liz, that there's any particular picture or any particular consistency in the types of business, or are they very random in the type of businesses that you work with? No, no. I mean, we're
2: just. Just days away from completing a deal with a a company that is a water treatment company, so that's why it came to my mind. It seemed to me Um, that you knew
1: exactly spot on what was going on there.
2: (laughs) We've got another business that provides clothing to construction, you know, safety clothing and things in in the construction industry. We just sold a brilliant woman led company called um, Makara, which is a, a medical communications agency, so they, you know, work. and marketing and events and things like that M- amazing business an incredible business owner um, we sold Kettlewell colours just last year which was a woman cl- online clothing brand um, where you, yeah, so she did really well sold to um, a private equity buyer so you know they're, they're in a, a whole range of um mm. um Probably our biggest deal last year was a deal for 85 million where we sold a business called Geotech to a listed business called Judges, and that was scientific instrumentation. So, you know, I love it because we get to an insight into so many different sectors and so many different people that run those companies.
3: Um, um, it's interesting, Liz, because I keep thinking, you know, when I'm listening to my business women talk, is having that excitement again um, mm. about their business. I think that's important. But again, as you listed before, if you haven't got the networks, if you haven't got the, you know, because I'm looking at how do we decrease the barriers that um, stop businesses thriving, let alone sc- scaling up. And so, when you say mm. scaling up to a lot of women, it puts the fear of God in them because they're like, oh, you know, I'm okay as I am, I'm okay as I am. But the actual fact is, we have to get women comfortable doing business rather than, you know, when I used to say, oh, you know, Jackie, I hate this word, but they go, oh, it's a lifestyle business, it's a lifestyle business. <laughs> and um, uh. and um, but what we have to do is get, as you said, make them, the businesses more resilient, more robust, and more profitable. And I think, as you say, you learn as you go along. And once you meet the right people, because remember, there are some scoundrels out there and if you haven't got that knowledge, then you will find your role a bit more difficult in order to succeed. But I think the changing landscape of business makes it more exciting. And that's why I was saying about AI and technology and thinking about, how well, how can AI? How can I get into AI with my business? That's the way the future's going. You know, if we look at um, cashless, you know, most of the, we know we're going to be a cashless community soon, or society soon. How do we get our business to fit in? And, like, as you said about the company who provided clothing for the construction companies, well, what about why aren't we providing clothing for the hospitals? Why are we not part of that supply chain? And so, it's things like that where we have to be more imaginative about, you know, what do we, um, how do we become more resilient in this time, as you say, and um, basically. Not being scared of taking our business to the next
2: level. Yeah, and I think the other thing there is, you know, I think there can be a bit of a X factor uh, oh. feel about the way some people think about entrepreneurship. And they, you know, they start out, they start a business, and they think this is going to be a get you know, get rich quick. Uh, I call it the, I will
3: make you a millionaire in 30 days. Just uh, follow my Instagram page because yeah. influencer. Yeah, I know. And the reality,
2: you know, the reality of it is that, you know, a lot of us have to work really, really, really hard, at, you know, at putting a lot of our time and energy and not just the time we spend in our businesses, but, you know, carving out the time to spend, work on our companies, you know, I belong to a peer-to-peer network, I can hear you do, you know, so I go to a place once a month where I'm you know, with with people that are a step ahead of me um, yeah. I probably read four books a month um, you know, and, and listen to YouTube and I've you know, following people, reading books like Traction and Oversubscribed and you know, just just really trying to stay on the money you know, we use G. PT in our business now, and it is it is making a big difference. And there are, you know, a gazillion AI tools out there, but you know they're not all correct. And exactly. it's, so yeah. it's assessing it, understanding how can I use it. Uh, I used it to create an invitation to an event the other day, and it it created a brilliant invitation in three mm-hmm. seconds. I was then able to edit, you know, yeah. and so it can make us more efficient. But it's you have to carve out the time. Uh, to be strategic um, and to make sure that you're, di- I, I run an advanced diary management system so you can look at my diary and all my high value activities are in red and if I look at my diary I, I get my PA to do this obviously because I'm blind but she'll look at it and she'll say you're only spending a third of your week this week doing high value activities and that then is a challenge because well, that's rubbish because, you know, the rest of it isn't going to move the dial. Some of it's necessary, but it means I then need to go through and thin my diary and prioritize my time and what I'm, you know, what I'm spending my time doing. Um, and so, I, you know, it is not for the faint hearted, is it? This, this lie about you know, <laughs> being self-employed and, being, and is very different from running a company. And and running a company isn't for everybody. And you need to be brave and courageous um, and determined and resilient um, and strategic.
1: Yeah, Um, Yeah, no, absolutely. And I think um, in my email um, newsletter that I sent out this morning, I touched on when I first started business, I went to a three-day startup course. Which was run by NatWest RBS, and I'll always remember one of the client, one of the consultants there, saying, "Okay, if you want your business to be Monday to Friday, nine till five, leave now, because it's not going to happen." <laughs> and actually, one lady did leave, um, but you know, I mean, I think there's so much truth in everything that you you're both saying. Um, liz and sonia on this topic and i think it's really interesting what you're saying about ai i must admit i've not touched on it yet um I'm, i need to go in and uh, delve a bit further on that information and uh, see see what magic i can conjure out of it for our twelve thirty. i know well yeah i mean it, I'm, I'm getting that message all the time perhaps maybe both of you could think up a couple of business tips that you'd like to pass on to our listeners. How does that sound? Great. Thanks again so much to my super guests, Liz Jackson and Sonia Brown. Look out for their business tips in the next 12.30 TWC newsletter. Thanks again, Liz, Sonia, and all my listeners. Stay safe. See you all again soon.
0: This is the 1230 TWC Business Beat Radio with Jackie Groundsell on Love to Beat Radio.